welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are excited to have another guest with us this week. Uh, I've known Paul for quite some time now. He's been a member of the Idaho Cattle Association area rancher in Southern Idaho. Um, And we even sat on a panel last year, I think it's almost been a year now, talking about generational ranching and so forth. So we're excited to have him on. He's also um, works with progressive cattle. So we'll let him introduce himself and then we'll dive into this week's episode. Thanks for joining us this week, Paul. Well, hello, Catherine and Valine. It's good to see you again. Well, Catherine, I've never met you before. <laughs> but I was going to say again, but it's good to, good to meet you. <laughs> Valine, it's good to, to be with you again. So so I guess maybe I can just give you a little bit of my, my history. I, I live over in uh, the Oakley Valley. I live east of Oakley, Idaho. Um, I'm on my family's ranch there. We run about 400 mother cows. Uh, in addition, I've, it's kind of one of those deals, kind of a family, family outfit where I've always had to do something besides, besides the ranch. It's, it's kind of changed a little bit now. My parents are getting older, and so I've had to take a, a bigger role. But I also work with uh, Progressive Publishing. I've been, with the, been here for 10 years. Um, I've worked in ad sales, um, but now I'm just on the editorial side. I, I have a column in, in three, of the, three of the magazines, Progressive Cattle, Progressive Forage, and the new, the new publication, Idaho-centric uh, ag magazines called Ag Proud Idaho. So, so that keeps me busier than I would have thought, so, but, <laughs> but I enjoy it. Well, good. And I thank you for giving us a realm of all the progressive uh, magazines because I we've been focused on progressive cattle and progressive dairy. So and good to see that there's more out there and more um, reaching a bigger audience. Can you tell our listeners what kind of the mission is behind the progressive magazine and specifically progressive cattle? Well, um, so you mentioned the other magazines that so there are. I want to get this right. I think <laughs> But you know, progressive dairy is kind of the mothership, and that that's uh, that was started by well, obviously the whole company was was started by the the Levitt family uh, here in Jerome, Idaho, uh, Leon Levitt, and he kind of had a vision, and, and dairy was in his blood, and he started out with a uh, just a, a little kind of Idaho dairy newsletter. And then he expanded that to the to, to the northwest, and then uh, that expanded to to a national publication, and 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 I think that kind of got the ball rolling, and then they expanded out to with Progressive Forage magazine, and then ten years ago they started Progressive Cattle, and that's kind of how I got involved in it. I, um, I I can't even honestly remember what my first connection was, but I came over here and and. Uh, they kind of took me on in in ad sales, which I had never done, um, but that's what I started. And then before the first issue came out, I said, "Well, you know, could you write a column?" And I've done a little writing. You know, I worked with Extension System for a while, and so I started writing the column with Progressive Cattle, and then that expanded to the other magazines. But um, like I say, uh, Progressive Dairies is kind of the mothership, and and I think it's uh, the model for for all the other magazines. And tried to follow that business model, and, and as you know. Um, you two know for sure a, a, a dairy farmer is not a rancher. <laughs> and, 
And so, so there had to be some. One thing we can say for sure. There's there's been a learning curve, I think, in in you know, fitting the the whole business model to the audience, and it's it's a little different than, uh, I mean, you know, most things are probably pretty much the same, but but really you you have to cater to your audience for sure, and uh, it's been really fun for me to be involved in the in the the progressive cattle magazine from the ground floor and kind of see how that's that's grown and and now i think especially because you know when we first started and you know this day and age is a little different um you know print magazines i, I remember people talking about why in the world are they starting a new print magazine in this digital age mm -hmm. and, but again you know our, our audience so the ag audience likes to have their their magazine you know their their paper Yep. But but at the same time, you know, you have to, you can't forget the digital world too. So it's been kind of interesting watching that grow and the development of that. So how do you balance that being progressive in taking the next step while also making sure that the the current generation or the older generation still has their print copy and the old way of doing things? Um, how do you how do you balance that? No, that's that's a really good question. And we were, as a matter of fact, I I'm in Jerome today where we were having a meeting with the Progressive Cattle editorial team and talking about that. And we were looking at some of the metrics of some of the things that we've done with our, you know, our our, our e newsletter and you know the website and things like that. And looking at some of the numbers, why are they not better than that? And someone made the comment, you know, kind of facetiously, but there's a lot of truth to it that, well, well, our audience is all, you know, 60 to 80 years old and they don't care about it. <laughs> so, and, and I think our, our demographics are older, definitely. Um, but you have to have that digital presence and we've really, you know, amped that up in, in the last few years. And uh, to, to, to say that, well, we have an older audience and they want the magazine so we can ignore the other is just insane because, and I think, you can't generalize too much and say that you know just because someone is in that age demographic doesn't mean they don't understand the the digital age mm -hmm. and which and valine you can know my opinion on that i can talk about that in the panel that you and i were on that my opinion is that's whatever de age demographic you're in i think you need to be aware of that and grab onto that you know the way technology is moving and you know just marketing and and genetics and everything has, has gone that direction and and so that, that but it, that balance is kind of hard to find because still in speaking for the magazines um the the magazines and the paper copy is is our major that that's what people like and people want um but we're doing a lot more you know especially when you talk about advertising so our these magazines are all they're all free subscriptions so Advertising is what brings in the, the, the revenue, obviously. And so <laughs> you've got some, some advertisers who want digital, they want all digital. And while we have to do that, and, and, and that's, that's gaining more and more traction, obviously, mm -hmm. but they have to understand that print is not dead and print is still really important. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it really is a balancing act and it's, not, it, it's a moving target, it really is. Well, and I think that brings us kind of into talking about generational farm or ranching specifically as well. You know, you're balancing between an older generation and the next generation and technology and, and learning and all of that stuff. And you're one to, to kind of speak on this because your parents are still on the operation. You're on the operation and your kids and your sister's 
and family is also there. And how, what does your family operation from a generational standpoint look like? And what are some of the successes and maybe even some challenges you experience? Oh, we've never failed at anything. <laughs> Everything works out just perfectly. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've watched, I can look back on, on my dad when he was my generation and, and the kind of the trouble, troubles and struggles they went through you know, with the succession planning and all that and how that, how that worked. And then you know, we're not even on the original family place. It's, you know, gone as, as those things go. Um, but so, so steer me back if I get <laughs> on, on the tangent here. But um, so, so I've been, when my dad bought the place where, he, where we currently are, it was, it was the year I got married. As a matter of fact, I don't want to age myself, but it was <laughs> 30 I don't know how <laughs> my wife. So and then we came up, you know, ten years later, and I really, at, at that time, I wasn't, you know, I, I, when I got out of college, I, I managed, I went to Nevada and ran managed ranch there, and I was in Southern Utah there and doing the same thing, and, and then when I came back up, up back up to Idaho, I was worked with extension for a little while, but I lived in Oakley, so I was still, but it still wasn't my place, but then as my dad's age. You know, I've taken a bigger role and kind of squatted on the place, and I'm I'm living there, and so so you know, it's I'm there now, and I and I run the deal, and but my dad is still still healthy, we're very healthy for his age, and and uh, I don't think I'm unique in this deal where it, it's I feel super fortunate to be able to work with my dad and my family, but on the other hand, you know, I'm I don't know if you ever get out of that deal where you know you're still kind of the kid. You know, and I think everyone struggles with that. Um, but, but by the same token, um, my dad has been fairly open at times to, to some of them, some of my ideas. We've actually kind of, you know, our operation has really changed quite a bit in the last twenty years. I mean, we're doing things that I, you know, never really would have thought thought we would have done. And uh, we changed our whole breeding program, and some things we're doing are completely different than I honestly never would have thought that I could have talked my dad into it. But mm-hmm. But he's kind of all on board now. <clears throat> How did that process look? You know, the, the, the showing him different options that he wasn't used to seeing and, and getting him to kind of jump on board. Because it's not overnight, you know, switch the brain, yeah, let's do this, especially with somebody that's been in the industry. How do we start those conversations to get plant the seed in their head? And, and I wish there was an easy answer to that. <laughs> And the funny thing is, you know, and, and I, cause I, like I say, I, I find myself resorting back to the exact same attitude I had when I was, you know, 10 or 15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, so speaking for my, for myself, and I think that you can probably extrapolate that out to, to other people. I don't, we shouldn't be afraid to have the conversation. And, and that has always been my, my deal. I was afraid to bring something up, but, but uh, so I'll kind of start. So the kind of cattle we raised, you know, we, we're really heavily into the to the Akiushi, uh program now, and I know Valley, and you're familiar with that. And uh, and frankly, that's something that you know, ten or longer than that, you know, fifteen years ago, I never would have thought we'd have gone in that direction. And and you know, and I came from like a lot of people in my in my generation. It used to be everything was Hereford. That's mm-hmm. I mean, my my mother was on a grew up on a registered Hereford deal, and and that's what we had when I was growing up. And and cattle kind of when my dad moved up here, I was working on a I was running a, an Angus limousine ranch down in southern Utah. 
And so I started selling him some bulls. And so pretty soon his herd turned black and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, not many herfords left. And uh, I remember that conversation, uh, you know, I, I can get you a couple bulls pretty cheap, you know, get, I can get you a good deal. And that, and that was, I kind of snuck it in that, that kind of thing, but it was probably not the best method. I think, like I said, <laughs> I think the best thing is that we're too often afraid to start that dialogue and think, Oh, He's in and this could be a good life lesson in a lot of things. Don't, don't be afraid to talk to people. I mean, and even if he says no, so what, the, the seed is planted. You what know, do you and, think is behind those fears? Is it fear of, of rejection or of conflict or confrontation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that kind of, kind of all of that, you know, from, you know, that I think that fear, at least for me, mostly, I think was probably, you know, you, know, I hate, you don't want to get rejected. And I think for me, anyway, that's, that's kind of the number one thing. And then, and then you always have, you know, fear of confrontation too. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to start a fight, but I think that that fear of, oh, he's not going to like that idea. And it's stupid. Even, even if I've got all the faith in the world about it, you know, you don't want that. I think I would say that was probably the top of the list. I think, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong for other people, but I think it probably is right up there. That fear of being rejected. And, and, you know, not you know, having your ideas, not, res you know, not respected like you. Sure, like getting shot down. And getting the, you know, resorting back to, oh, you're just the kid. You, you really don't know. You haven't been, you know, even though you've worked on other operations, you've been away from the operation for a while and have seen the world to just get the kind of head pat is, right. is and, what I like, sometimes am afraid of. Yeah. Totally. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and understand where they're, where they're mm -hmm. coming from. And I, I think, you know, we shouldn't, it, I think you need to be careful coming. And, and I, you know, I was, I was on outfits where I, you know, when I came back up here, I, you know, I, I ran a feedlot where we were feeding 10,000 cows. And I was running 800 cows and here I'm afraid to, to give my idea to my dad to run for on, on an outfit that's run 400 cows and I don't know that he or I felt maybe that he didn't respect no I'm still just a kid what do I know and I know these are kind of they sound like kind of cliches but I think they're very real they cliches you know? for a reason right because right. everybody <laughs> exactly. feels that way exactly yeah I mean there's a lot of what you're saying is ringing true mm -hmm. for me and, and and my family operation and how the way that I feel about things so you said you don't really have a good answer on how you you approach trying to um, enter into some of those opportunities? Is it just just kind of failing forward and, and just sort of gritting your teeth and, you know, there's not necessarily a recipe to get this right, but maybe just keep going? Well, kind of, but I, and, and I think, but you know, I think in a lot of things, once you, you're always scared to take that first step, mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of like you're, you gotta, you gotta step into the shadow you know, before the lights there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's been a lot easier for me since I kind of learned to take that first step. And we've made, actually, I look at our family and I, and I, and I joke about it a lot, but we have really made a lot of progress, you know, in the last few years. And, and I'm not, you know, my, my father does respect my opinions. And, um, but, but I was really scared of that. Mm -hmm. I was scared to put that, put myself out there, you know, and it's like you say, it's kind of silly. I, I had kind of, not that I knew everything, but I'd been out in the world. And I mean, you know, I ran a big outfit in Nevada and a big outfit in Southern Utah and a big outfit in, in Idaho. And, and still I'm like scared to give my, put my ideas out there. And, and I think that is maybe in other aspects of our lives too, that, mm -hmm. you know, we need to, 
you need to have confidence in your in yourself and and don't be scared to put that idea out there well and the worst thing you, they can say is no you know right. <laughs> and that's not really that bad no right? and once you understand that just being no this isn't going to work or no you've at least like it's not that bad and you've at least had the courage to step out of your shell and share some new ideas with with the next generation or with somebody to start switching things up have you um be like what kind of planning or succession planning has your family done and what conversations because i know that's really contentious in a lot of families specifically mine too you know how how am i going to get along with my siblings or how am i going to get along if something were to happen to mom and dad tomorrow and these are right. the hard conversations nobody wants to have because nobody wants to talk about death nobody wants to talk about illness um but that's a huge barrier i think in communication on a generational operation well i think you know one thing we should not you know you need to look look back as well and and i think what really helped helped me and my siblings is we kind of saw how what my dad's generation went through and it was it was kind of a mess i mean it really was and still i mean you know my dad's 83 years old and he's only has one sibling left but there's still kind of some fighting going on i mean it's insane and so but and the thing that was frustrating to us it seemed like you know my dad did would not did not want to address it you know the, the other end of you know going forward and it was you know kind of drove me crazy like you'd think you know you'd want to just jump on this right now and and i think he probably didn't want to because well, for several reasons i think you know first of all i think maybe you don't want to admit that you know you're not gonna be around <laughs> you know for one thing and then he it's hard to you know there's gonna be some confrontation and you don't want to you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings mm -hmm. and so finally for us what 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 worked best somehow you know my siblings and thank goodness we did that because before there were problems and they're not problems now but you know we kind of all got together there's six of us and we several years ago we just sat down and and independent of my parents and said okay what do you want out of this deal you know we've kind of all gone our separate ways and and really I was the only one that was on the place and I was working it and and, and so I was I, I felt like I had a real stake in it and was kind of worried about where this deal was going to go you know because if I don't have an if I don't have any chance to stay or run this place or I need to go somewhere else you know mm -hmm. but but thank goodness all my siblings were you know we were and we we didn't all agree on everything but we all six of us sat down together and whether it was right or wrong at, at that point because we didn't involve the spouses at that time and I some people say, well, you can't involve spouses, but I, I think that's a mistake because spouses have to be involved because unless you're going to get rid of them. <laughs> but, but to start out with, it was just the siblings. And we sat down and said, you know, what do you expect out of this? You know, and, and we all had kind of different expectations, but all kind of agreed, thank goodness, you know, that this is kind of the direction we want to go and let's go from there. And, and, and I think, I think it's wrong for, and I, I guess I shouldn't say that, but, but I do think it's wrong for siblings to, or for, for children to expect that their parents should just give them something, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's just my opinion. I mean, maybe there's, that's not really with every case, but, and so that's kind of the attitude we took, you know, we don't expect anything, but can we go in this direction? And, and it took, you know, you, you think, oh, yeah, let's sit down and we'll talk it out and, I'm just kind of like politics. It, the wheels move kind of slowly, you know, 
but we finally got to got to the point where where we uh, you know this is the plan we want to do and, and everyone talked about what they expected and and you know we presented it to my parents and you know it didn't and although they kind of agreed it still didn't happen overnight but sure so yeah you know, i don't know if i have it's like funny you're talking i'm reflecting all this on all this like did we really accomplish anything and I, I, yeah i guess we have <laughs> Just have to look back on the on the project as a whole and not yep. like in the moment, right? Yep. So it sounds like you and your siblings sort of, you know, you came to a consensus about okay, we at least need to talk about this. Um, do you have any other advice for for generations on the ends or in between, wherever they happen to fall, on 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 communicating through these types of issues? You know, well, how and, you have these hard conversations? You know, and, and this isn't new. I mean, people know this, but you need to do it sooner rather than later. And as as stupid and as easy as that sounds, I mean, we would the stuff we did should have happened 25 years ago, you know, and uh, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you all know of stories where siblings, you know, they started out and, and oh yeah, we all agree, and then once, but we don't write anything down and we don't get mm -hmm. these things done. But but you know, well, we get along, we all agree. Well, when mom and dad are gone, so well, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't have things legally done things in writing right. and then again you, you know you get you get spouses involved um things can go south in a hurry and you, you get know. more when something happens or a sudden death happens then there's more emotions tied right. to it too and it's more out of panic rather than reasoning in a state of mind where we can process how exactly and to keep like keep the legacy going you want what maybe mom and dad do want let's have that conversation with them as well you know we're we'll have right. to adapt but we want to keep what granddaddy did hit what he did and what he worked for going and what worked for him why don't we have the conversation while he's while he's still here rather than figuring out what to do in a panic and i think that that's a, a, a an amazing and an excellent point that you make that that uh, it's always an emotional subject but you don't want to be making those decisions and and jumping into that when when there's high emotion on on either end of the spectrum mm -hmm. you know and so you, you know you sit down calm and get that stuff done before you're in that situation where it's hard to make a decision when a lot of emotion is involved and and i think the stuff we're talking about and you know the family legacy and it's, it's an emotional topic anyway, you know, and, and I look at, and it's tough, you know, a lot of, it's, it's kind of funny, a lot of ranch and ag families are, are big families, and, and I look at some of the places around Oakley, that some of these generational ranches, and, uh, you know, what do you do when there are five or six kids, and they have three or four kids of their own, and mm -hmm. everybody wants to come back, well, it ain't going to happen. And that's a hard, hard deal, you know? And, and then, so two, two generations down the road, you're gonna have hard feelings and that might happen no matter what, you know? And yeah. that, like, like I'm looking at my kids, I got a couple of kids that would like to be able to somehow come back and I, I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. Mm. And I don't know how their cousins are gonna <laughs> look at, well, look, he got the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that brings even more emotion into it when you start thinking about the generations coming after you. Um, yeah. That's, that's a tough thing, too. And 
you know, I mean, we know this, this whole thing is just tough, whether wherever you're at in the process and however far along you are in it. Um, but we also know it's super, super important to talk about. And I don't know. I mean, it just, it sort of sounds like you just kind of have to feel your way through it, but do you have, do you have any advice or insight for people on how to, on how to, you know, push them sort of into doing this and actually getting it done. So you're not sitting here saying we should have done this 25 years ago. <laughs> and maybe what the first question is, you even ask your siblings or your parents to get this ball rolling. Well, so I think, and like I said before, I, I think the main thing is you, you've got to, and it's, it's probably not easy for anyone to take that first step. You know, you've got to, you've got to force, you, you, you literally, I think, have to force everyone to look at the issue and, and, take that first step and say, let's sit down and talk and see where, see where everybody is at this point. And, you know, you may think that everyone's on the same page and you may be completely wrong, or, you know, you may think that, you know, this sister is a nut job and she's not going to agree, but maybe she, <laughs> maybe she is more on your side, you know, mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's so, I, you know, I can't overstate that. I think, uh, and, and again, this is not, this is not something that's new communication is so important and and my family's terrible at it <laughs> you know, frankly we're terrible at it you know and because and it's you know it's, again it's that that uncomfortable thing you, you just gotta you gotta like you said valine i think just put your head down and and push your way through that first step and it is a lot easier once that first step is made and you've started the dialogue then progress can be made but the longer i can tell you uh, frankly we've been lucky you know my parents are getting pretty old and we've been lucky that we've, we started the process pretty late. Um, but we've been lucky to, to once we did get, get the ball rolling that it's worked out really well. And I feel I'm unfortunate for that. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, we may five, 10 years from now or three years from now, I, I may tell you a different story, but, but because we've, because we finally did take those first steps and, and got things in writing and, Got, got legal things taken care of then when that emotional time comes even if people are changing their minds you've got documents and records you know that look this is what we agreed on and this is where we are yeah so tell us after after you took that hard first step and you've had these hard conversations has it gotten easier to do those things with your siblings and your family or is it still just as hard as it ever was? I'm asking here for personal reasons. I'm curious. <laughs> well, and as you're asking that, I'm, so I'm reflecting on myself and my <laughs> situation at the time. And, and uh, I think the, the toughest thing for me was, you know, we, we had all these plans and we were going to do this. And, 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 and uh, in some ways it's gotten a lot easier because we know, we at least know we can have the conversations now. But things like, uh, um, and I think things like this are important. To, yeah, you know, if, if, you need to treat the ranch like a business. And that is really, really hard. You know, you'd think that it makes all the sense in the world, but that is really hard. And, and we were, we were going to sit down and you'll have a weekly meeting or at least a monthly meeting. And that's really hard to get done. And we have done a crappy job, of that, <laughs> honestly, you know, and, and it's easy just to, and, and when, when some decisions have to be made or something's going this way, it's pretty easy just to sit back and say, well, it, uh, I don't want to deal with that. We'll just, you know, it's, it's your deal, Dad. I'll let you let you do it, even if I don't agree with it. Or, you know, it's it's too easy just to to fall back into your old habits. And I think, you know, and that's that's a, that that point of developing good habits in whatever they are is is a 
really important. And, and that communication, I said, I'm talking about how important communication is. You know, if we would force ourselves to have those meetings and we do occasionally, but it's not on a regular basis, but I would suggest to anyone treat it and treat it like a business, you know, and, and if someone's not pulling their weight, then that's a really hard conversation to have. And, and you know, we're not, we're not so big that we have, have those kind of problems, but I've seen people where, you know, you've got cousins. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like it, you got mom and dad up here and then you got two brothers that are on the place and then they've got kids that are coming in and not every cousin's pulling their weight. And, you know, if you treat it like a business, then people know from the beginning, you know, you've got to pull your weight. And if you're not, you know, something's got to, something's got to change. Well, and even being able to, with the family business, being able to um, split the business aspect from the family dinner aspect, like you can talk, family business at the dinner table occasionally, but being able to say it's Christmas dinner, we are not going to talk dollars and politics tonight. Just to keep some of that family dynamics going is a huge, I think a huge struggle with family businesses as well, especially if somebody's not pulling their weight or somebody's, you know, putting all the sweat equity into the place, but somebody else has a buy-in, you know, balancing all those moving pieces in a family business isn't is it really easy? <laughs> yeah. At the very least. <laughs> and, and, you know, we all, we all get caught up in the romanticism of all of it. And, 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 and I think, you know, maybe any family business would deal with these things, but I, I've got a thing I, I kind of call, and I've written about this, I kind of, I call it r- rural arrogance, you know, and, and I think, mm-hmm. but I do think we are different. You know, a farm and a ranch is different. And it's, and again, I, I, I fall back on the cliches, you know, but um, it's, 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 it's your life so much more than just, you know, a family garbage business, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, you're, you're attached to old cow number 732, you know. And, Even if she and is it, a wench. <laughs> <laughs> Her calves are beautiful. <laughs> It's all it's also personal, you know, and that's what I think. Why well, I think it's it's so hard in agriculture. I mean, it's you know we because your heart is so invested in it, mm-hmm. and I, I think you know that's maybe different than most of the rest of the world. Yeah, that's. I think we just went quiet for a second there because we feel that we we yeah. totally get that. Yeah, almost tearing up, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I mean that's it it is part of what we do and it's easy to say like you said treat it yeah. as a business but we come back to it and where your heartstrings and your roots are um, yeah well like, I, I don't i better be careful what i say because my family might listen to this but i valine <laughs> I, you know my sister valine and she's moving back to the place mm-hmm. you know and and uh, she's she was kind of so i wasn't really raised on the place I and mean, i come back and my kids have all been raised on the place but but she was raised and so she's got this real strong connection to it and and so she's coming back and so and i i've had to you know kind of check myself you know and i'm you know am i, am I looking there with the jaded eye well, what's what's her plan is she trying to you know take over for me and, and thankfully we're able to you know we've had good discussions and you know she assures me that's not the case and and uh, but and i need to i kind of i'm ashamed of myself for even thinking that because also she's coming back and my parents are aging up now I've got some help now when someone, you know, someone's going to help me take care of some aging parents. You know, yeah. It's all yeah. about perspective. Um, and I think sure. our, our initial gut 
instinct is envy and jealousy a lot of times um, is, you know, and balancing, well, I'm putting all the work in, I've been here, this is my place and somebody else is coming in instead of taking a step back and seeing how they can be a benefit or they can be an addition. Right. We just want to say, no, I don't need help. I can do it myself, even if it's siblings or family members. Like there's, there's definitely envy and jealousy. I know even in any relationship of any kind you have, whether it's business or personal, you're always wanting to compare yourself to right. somebody else. And, and I think the way you, the way you stated that was perfect. Uh, you know, I, I think like, like I said, in my situation, my, my initial reaction is to you know, kind of bristle up and, and that's probably not right. You know, and, and, and you know, in anything that's probably not right. It, it's hard to, you, like you said, perspective is, is such a, such a big deal. And, in, in anything, you know, because we, we've got such our, our narrow perspective. And I, the, the example I always use, I, I, I coach, help coach basketball, the high school, it's a girls team now, and I've done the boys before, but, but, uh, I, or, or kids showing in, in the show ring, showing animals. The judge is always, always a complete idiot. All, <laughs> you know, your, your, your focus is so narrow. That's all you see is your kid out there. And when the picture is so much broader than that, and when we kind of step back and you know put yourself in someone else's shoes or try to see the whole picture, you know that's really a hard thing to do. Gosh, Paul, you know these words are especially especially um, you know prescient or 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 um, hitting home right now too. I mean, for agriculture, for me and Valley personally. You can apply this all across our industry, but dang, if you couldn't apply it to our society right now in the election <laughs> yeah. we're in. I mean, yep. perspective is really what we all need. <laughs> I think it is. And I think that's a great point just to end on and let listeners uh, chew on for at least the next week and let us know what you think. Uh, Paul, where can people find you personally, but also through Progressive? Um, now I've got to remember my, <laughs> so, uh, my email address is uh, paul at progressivepublish.com. Um, and I'm also on, I'm on all the social media nonsense. Um, my, my Twitter is, you know, so we've got my podcast and I never can remember this. It's um, PM underscore in the fire. That's my Twitter handle. All right. Perfect. Well, we can also link it in our show notes. As yes. well, so, so people can <laughs> I think that's what it is. I can't there was a typo in that. Um, but listeners, we thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can email us at talk to us at millennialag.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Millennial Ag. So until next week, we're Millennial Ag. Mm-hmm.